So Biden, uh, whether by strategy or necessity, has largely been absent from the campaign trail. He gave a speech yesterday about health care. I mean, he, he does stuff, but it's not a ton. Um, but what that the effect of that is, and again, I don't know if it's necessity or strategy, but what it does is it shines a very bright light on Donald Trump. And Donald Trump does not benefit from having a very bright light shown on him because he says and does lots of lots of things that you shouldn't do as a president. So Biden, now I don't think that he can do this the entire campaign, but he can do it for a while. The last two days you've had state polling come out in swing states, uh, Florida, Arizona, uh, Ohio, Iowa, North Carolina, Wisconsin. Donald Trump is behind by 8 to 10 to 12 points in both polls done by the New York Times and by Fox News. What the hell is that? Hey, Stone on Air, if you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not. I'm so happy I could die. They're like, Brian! Yeah, <laughs> Brian! Yes, my name is Brian! Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years... Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. Available in weekly installments, a midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga and surrounding areas, generally speaking, available every Wednesday. Today will not be an exception to that semi-promise. The first day of July is the first of the month. The crappiest June ever is now over, and likely the crappiest July has officially begun. Uh, my name is Brian. Nice to have you here. If you're here for the first time, the chances are slim that you are here for the first time. The main reason is I don't have anything uh, setting the world on fire for you today. Just a typical show with no real local content whatsoever. I've actually been wanting to do uh, more local content recently. There just hasn't really been anything all that interesting. Anything that's local to discuss has really more of a national political feel to it, which I'm going to touch base on that from a local aspect if it makes sense and it's topical, but there's nothing There's nothing really topical. There's nothing really new to discuss. I mean, I, there's no reason to talk about every gathering or every situation uh, of, of rallies going on, which are still happening. They're dwindling more and more down as most of these kinds of um, situations, movements happen over the course of history, uh, but certainly in more modern times, it's real hot, hot, hot. And then it starts to fade away. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's how it usually works. I guess the only local notable thing to mention before I jump into the show is that the, uh, I guess, it's is it still considered a mural or is it just a painting? Uh, whatever, whatever it is, the Black Lives Matter on MLK, which I've only seen pictures of. And it really, I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, you know, depending on who you ask and what political spectrum you want to um uh, spend your time siding with if that's the angle you're going to take. I guess it depends on who you ask. If you just want to ask me from a visual optical nature, I think it looks pretty cool. 
And um, I look forward to being down on MLK to take a look at it, see how quality the paint is. That is one thing that I, I know nothing about, but I know just maybe this much more. i got my um, index finger, my thumb, about an inch apart. I might know about this much more than the average person because a very good friend of mine does uh, striping of um, uh, parking lots and highways as a, as a profession. And he's very good at it, has a huge business, does very well with it. And over beers, you know, with just throwaway talk, we talk about it. And just painting a road is it's a lot more complicated than just, slap, you know, slapping down some, uh, you know, masking tape, painter's tape, and then rolling out some paint. Uh, it, it will look like a bleep before you know it if it's done very on the cheap and haphazardly and amateurishly. And it'll last for a very, very long time if it's done by people who know what they're doing. I don't know what it is in this case but initially from the aerial views it is uh it's pretty all right so let's the the front end there that was uh chris saliza from cnn on tony kornheiser's show talking just a little bit of um campaign talk as there there is no real campaign trump's just doing his uh his rallies and and biden is quote unquote you know hiding in the basement which is not true, but that's the funny thing to say. Uh, one more clip here from uh, Chris Saliza on Tony's show where they were talking about how does, how, how is, and it's a silly question, so why I'm going with it, how, how does Donald Trump broaden his appeal? Well, so there's what he could do and what he will do. Um, what he could do is stop running a primary campaign in the general election. What he will do is continue to run a primary campaign in the general election because he's only got, you know, he only has the, the one speed. He really does only have the one speed. But the reason I brought up that one little tiny clip, they went on on, it was actually pretty interesting, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on it right here, is that it is to me, and I might be wrong on this, polling and everything else is so inexact as we all know. If you didn't learn that in 16, you didn't learn anything. But I do not believe that there is any logical level-headed person in this country who is sitting around wondering who they're going to vote for. I, I just, I, I cannot fathom that being an actual thing. Now, mentally ill, um, conspiracy theory types, uh, maybe hardcore libertarians that still want to vote. And, and maybe there's a couple of those people that are still thinking about it. But the average person who votes every election cycle knows exactly who they're going to vote for. And there doesn't mean need to be a traditional gathering of uh, masses and conventions. And I, if I, I would even consider if I was Biden saying, yeah, I'm not getting on a stage with this maniac and, uh, and, and debating him three times. If you remember, Trump during the primaries kept talking about how he was bored with debating and was considering not doing it anymore. So it's unprecedented to not do it. But it's not unprecedented to say you don't really feel like it. And I mentioned it the other week. I'll say it again. I'm just, it's something in deep down inside of me that says the worst of the whacked out weirdness of this year is not even kind of close to being here yet. And it's a day-to-day -day thing. A day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month thing. Uh, one thing here real quick. I Damn it, I turned that off. I did not mean to do that. Let me open this back up. Uh, saw this piece and it made me want to just smash a wall um and of course i've no there it is this is from thehill.com by no means some kind of media darling or even some kind of uh, uh, you know, long traditional celebrated media outlet the headline is 
GOP operatives raising possibility Trump could drop out of race, quote unquote, if polls don't rebound. This is why people are fed up with things. This is why when Don Trump just blabbers around on Twitter and on podiums and everywhere else, the fake news, the failing New York Times, the fake this, the fake that, this is what gives that kind of stuff credibility. A Fox News report on Sunday says that GOP operatives are saying that the president could drop out if his polls don't rebound. Uh, the report by Fox Business Network senior correspondent, whatever, made up, fake, not real. Jesus. Ugh. All right, enough uh, of that. I'm going to come back around and do a little bit of political satire style on the back end. I'll get to that here in just a minute. Going to jump back into TV talk. A couple weeks ago, I said I wasn't going to do that anymore. Well, there's some things worth mentioning here. Found out today, Ozark is coming back for a fourth and final season. 14 episodes, so four more than the um, the first three seasons. Split up in seven and sevens. So it'll probably take for the next couple of years maybe or so, because I'm sure they haven't started filming yet. So basically two seasons at seven episodes each. And this show is fantastic. Fan-freaking-tastic. If you and me have any kind of similar thoughts on entertainment, television, music, uh, whatever artistic medium it might be, if you're even kind of in my stratosphere and you haven't watched this, you need to. You will love it. Uh, I'm still stuck on uh, Shark Tank. Loving this show. Ten years of a show. Obviously, I'm going to have lots to catch up on, so it's good background TV. I watched a movie the other day called 21. It's got Kevin Spacey, eh, some dude, I can't remember his name. It was barely something I would call good. Uh, 21, think blackjack, uh, card counters, go to Vegas, the security measures, kind of sniff them out, and just there, that kind of movie. And I was talking to some guys at work, one of them more simpleton type, and I was mentioning, hey, I saw a movie, because they know that I don't like movies at all. And they're like, what? Why? Well, what was it? So no, I was 21, explained it. And one of them is like, oh, my God, that movie is so awesome. <laughs> okay, yeah. It was fine. It was, uh, it was fine. And then, speaking of movies, I'm just screwing around the house over the weekend doing stuff and in the background. I'm just looking for something on Hulu to throw on. And there's Austin Powers, the original one. On cable. And I put it on. I watched the heck out of Austin Powers back in the day. And it was towards the beginning of it. And I watched this for about 45 minutes. And let me tell you, that movie does not hold up. That is some of the stupidest shit I have ever seen. I was shocked that I once upon a time thought that that was Hilarious. Now, it came out when, what, 97? So I was 17 years old. And it's a movie that is completely filled with toilet humor, sexual innuendo, and a main character who constantly makes clearly unwanted sexual advances. advances. I guess it's 17, year old, 17 years old. What's not to like? But really, I was watching it and thinking about PC culture or just whatever culture you want to talk about, Me Too, wherever we're at right now. I can't imagine anybody from those circles being okay with that movie, even though it's slapstick, throwaway, stupid comedy. It wasn't just 17-year-olds that thought that movie was hilarious. It didn't sell millions of dollars in, in, uh, you know, in eyeballs because a bunch of teenagers were there. A bunch of adults were as well. Now, I thought two and three were pretty crappy at the time, mainly because Heather Graham, and not her name, Roller Girl, she was, she's an 
awful actress. She was terrible as the female lead in the second one. And Beyonce wasn't any good in the third one either. But I thought I thought the first one was hilarious. And it's got a lot of, you know, kind of lines. Everybody remembers $1 million, stuff like that. I was I was really surprised with how stupid I thought that it was. I'm going to get to the uh, worst idea and coolest thing here in just a minute. One thing I do want to mention, speaking of TV, I just noticed this the other day. This is years in the making. The uh, Rock Doc, All I Can Say. It's directed by Danny Clinch, amongst many others. Danny's worked with Bonnaroo and Pearl Jam a lot. And it is all footage. It's from 250 hours of video footage, VHS camera footage, from Shannon Hoon, the late, great singer from Blind Melon. And this has been a project for that's been discussed, rumored, put out on social media as far as testing the waters for pr- at least five years, if not longer. It's done, and it is ready to be consumed, and I cannot wait. They were going to release it in theaters. Clearly, that's not a thing right now. You can rent it for $11.50 for a three-day rental. I would pay double that without even thinking twice. Like, I cannot wait to watch this. I was a massive, I am still a massive Blind Melon fan. Had they continued where the the, the trajectory of their career might have gone, they might have become, become my favorite band. They might be the Pearl Jam to me now. I don't know. There's no way to know that. They only had two albums, and he's been dead since 1995. It's called All I Can Say, the uh, doc from Sh- or from Danny Clinch about Shannon Hoon and Blind Melon. All right, real quick, final segment. There's a new kind of comedy uh, out there, and three that I know of for sure, I'm sure there's plenty more, that would have never existed had the rise of the Trumpification of America never happened. And a lot of it is very funny to me. I will go down that road in the final segment. And honest with you, I was having trouble coming up with a final segment. That's why I went with that. And in the second segment, we are in another situation of here's what I would do culture that I've talked about in the past that just drives me insane. And it has to do with NASCAR, their response to the noose that was in the garage of Bubba Wallace. You've heard the story by now. It's starting to you know, fade away now after about a week. But at it, it was... It was more important of a story than uh, I think the average person might have looked at it, but it was another one of those here's what I would do situation, and here what I would do guy always annoys me. But let's go ahead and do the coolest thing and the worst idea. I don't have a today years old because I didn't have a very enlightened week. I didn't learn anything I didn't already know this week. This is the coolest thing. It's, I guess it's from about two years ago, year and a half ago, when Brett Kavanaugh was being um, – going through the Senate hearings for his confirmation to the Supreme Court. And this is somebody spliced uh, Pulp Fiction and some audio from Brett Kavanaugh from the Senate hearings, congressional hearings, and then a small little clip of uh, a cameo from Lindsey Graham. It's about a minute long. It's today's coolest thing. Now, let me take a wild guess here. You're Brett, right? Correct. I thought so. Um, I got into Yale Law School. Check out the big brain on Brad. That's the number one law school in the country. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. I had no connections there. I got there by busting my tail. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. Did you have it? Beer. I still like beer. Mm. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash this down? Sometimes I had too many beers, but I did not drink beer to the point of blacking out, and I never sexually assaulted yes, anyone. Yes, you did. 
Yes, you did, Brett. He is warm, friendly, unassuming. He's the nicest person. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Oh, I thought that was great. I just stumbled on it on, I guess it was Twitter. And today's worst idea, some podunk town, there is a, what appears to be a Black Lives Matter march through what kind of looks like a small town, uh, downtown city center kind of area. And on the other side is a bunch of Confederate flag waving looking types, very typical sounding types. And uh, somebody caught this trash and it's today's worst idea. So you can hear most of it. Uh, a little bit of that's a little hard to hear. Uh, keep your HIV on that side of the street. And what was the other? I don't know, whatever it was. Go back and listen to it again if you need. Just It's a blonde-haired white woman, well, dirty blonde, maybe even fakish blonde, and in the middle of uh, podunk rural America. Imagine what you think that person looks like, and you're probably pretty damn close just using your imagination. A couple of things I just jotted down here before I just do a couple things on the way out here for the open. Carl Reiner died, and I don't know a lot about him other than I know his uh, historical name and his the importance to his name and what he brought to comedy. And then, of course, his son, Rob Reiner, who I know more from movies and, and, and television growing up. But I did watch the comedians in uh, Cars Getting Coffee with Seinfeld during quarantine, during my TV run. And one of the funniest episodes I watched was with Carl Reiner, and then later the other half, they also had Mel Brooks. These 90-plus-year-old men were some of the funniest stuff I'd seen on that show. I thought that was pretty remarkable. That's as far, about as far as I can go to speak to Carl Reiner. Minor League Baseball is done for the year. That is damn a shame for the lookouts and their future and where they're going. And let the, uh, I think that'll be just about all right now. So... As I close up here, the first segment, I, I wanted to go back and play. I posted this on social media. I tried to put out a little blurb about the show, just a little minute, little mini video, um, animated kind of thing to just promote the show. And talking about just you don't have to argue online. You don't have to come to these fights. You don't have to comment on everything. And I want to give you an example I had of a Twitter thread with Robin Smith, a uh, Republican off and on uh, politician here in the state of, of uh, Tennessee. And first, I'll play this clip from uh, last week. Give me 60 seconds if you would. It took me a long time to stop being that person on social media. But people just can't stop. And it's like children, like you know, kids. They have no, no impulse control, right? I'm seeing this with adults that are way old enough to know it better and just can't stop. And when you finally realize that getting into those weeds and doing all that is actually, it sucks, it's lame, it's not fun and brings you no joy, it's liberating. I have all the social medias you want. Hell, I'm on TikTok now. I'm going to talk about it at the end of the show. I'm just saying it's okay to sometimes just shut the fuck up. You are not required to comment on everything 
It doesn't diminish your values or your beliefs. And if it's creating harm and issue in your life through employment or otherwise, it is okay to just shut the fuck up. So that is a small portion of the show last week. So I say that to say or play that to say. Robin, uh, Robin Smith ran for the uh, 3rd Congressional District primary, GOP primary, against Chuck Fleischman. She sits on a lot of committees, chairs, boards from the GOP here in state politics and has always been a very, very conservative white woman. Now, I always tell anybody when they get mad at me that when I'm friends with somebody who ideologically is just on another planet, I just say, hey, l- listen, I don't base my friendships and my alliances with what my friends and colleagues think. I base them on what my personal relationships are, are like. And I worked with Robin many times, and we both understand that we're miles apart, and we just don't go there. Or if we do, we do it very respectfully. And I haven't worked with her in, I don't know, it's been at least five years now. So my experiences with her are good, and I consider her a friend. So she posted a tweet that was just a comment tweet on, what is it, WSMV News 4 Nashville that said masks were required to enter the Tennessee State Museum when it reopens next week. And her comment tweet was, this is good. And I was a little surprised because she is very much a party line type, at least a lot of the times. And I was happy to see her post something and be very uh, succinct to the point and very uh, pleasant with a response. So I just responded back, and I think I, uh, I think I quote tweeted her that said, "Oh no, I didn't. Just, just responded directly to her. I'm glad to see your response to this, Robin Smith. I'm not going to wear a mask when I go out, but I respect institutions that mandate it. I'll just pass when it's a requirement. I'm not mad about it. It's just a personal decision during a challenging time." Hashtag. Thanks, coronavirus. My friend Brad then responds, tweets to that, and says, wear a fucking mask, you dick. (laughs) And uh, I responded, I don't go places where it's necessary. I avoid anywhere it would be required or suggested. I distance and haven't hardly done a goddamn thing in four months. I do carry a scarf in case I find myself in a situation unexpectedly that it is needed. I'm not the bad guy. And I only responded to him because that was my friend. Then comes in somebody I have no idea who it is. Respond tweets to all of us. And you're also not the humanitarian either. Think of the vulnerable. Don't be selfish. Is that too hard for you or is all you care about the economy? And I responded to all of those. Goodbye on this thread, everybody. Have a nice day. I could have gone back and forth with that for the next two days if I felt like it. There was no reason to, and it felt good to just walk away. Coming up next, everybody thinks they know what they're going to do in certain situations, but I am the police on that. You never know what you would or wouldn't do until you're put in a position, and this time it involves NASCAR and the noose at Talladega. Was it in fact a noose, and did NASCAR respond appropriately. I'll take a look at that next. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air podcast, and I will be right back. Stone On Air will be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. StoneOnAir.com. NASCAR describing it uh, as a as a garage door pull that was fashioned like a noose. The FBI saying you were not 
uh, the target of, of a hate crime and that it had been there at least since last October. When you found that out on Tuesday, Bubba, what was your initial reaction? I was relieved, just like um, just like many others, to know that it wasn't targeted towards me. Um, it's it's still frustrating to know that you know people are always going to test you and always just going to try to debunk you, and that's uh, that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around now. From uh, from you know saying I'm a fake and and all this stuff, and that I reported it when it was. Uh, news that was brought to me. It was information that was brought to me that was already reported. And so I was just kind of following suit. But all in all, it's another day. All right. Sorry, I had to do it. Two reasons why playing this song is inappropriate. I'll just go ahead and tell you what they are in case it doesn't jump out and you don't notice it immediately. Songs called Pretty News by Soundgarden. One is the obvious, the news to Talladega. The other is, while not a noose, Chris Cornell, we're at r- roughly at the anniversary, I think it was last month, of his suicide where he hung himself. But we're talking noose. The song's called Noose. There you go. If the bros want to make the family, the estate of the Cornells and Soundgarden eliminate the song Pretty News, that's up to them. But while it's still available to use, I'm going to use it. Welcome back into the show. That was a story that was really, it was a roller coaster with this news and Bubba Wallace's garage or at least in some proximity to his garage and the reason that it was so focused on because it's really almost completely evaporated it's not even the story anymore it will be as far as the flag goes the confederate flag as things go along partially because there's just so little to focus on that's different than what we focused on every day for the last four months and so it got magnified coverage also NASCAR is a niche sport. It is a primarily southern white sport and a very red-ass sport. And um, so you knew this wasn't going to go over well with the Confederate flags. I mean, we already tried this, you know, that one time five, six years ago. talked about it a few weeks ago. We already tried this once, and it didn't go over well. And now we're in a completely different polarized kind of environment, and it's not going over well, and it's not going to go away, at least not anytime soon and we're just it's again it's a different day every day every hour you never know what you're going to see next the latest as far as news concerning the confederate flag mississippi has voted to take it uh off of their flag i don't know if they're going to modify it completely or not it's just kind of in the corner i think that's a good move it's not erasing history it's just getting that out of the way right you just don't have to mess with that anymore and in five minutes from now there ain't a damn person on this planet anybody from outside of the state of Mississippi, and I would say there's very few that are actually in the state of Mississippi who really give two bleeps what the the state flag is. I I really, truly believe that's not going to be much of an issue. But this, I don't want to spend a lot of time on NASCAR and the noose and Bubba Wallace because I don't care about any of that. Um, Or the flag at this point. I want to focus more in on the here's what I would have done culture. And as soon as this story hit, 
people just couldn't wait to debunk it. People couldn't wait to say this is fake and not real. And they couldn't wait to start blaming and going to Twitter and lynch mobbing because that's just what we do now. And I remember seeing somebody, a prominent name on a, you know, a blue check type on uh, Twitter saying, well, if there was a really news, you think somebody didn't take a picture of it? Listen, bro, this is an FBI uh, investigation. All right. I know Trump has made everybody think the FBI is a bunch of crooks and liars, but if the FBI is involved, you don't get to call any shots. You follow what they say or else. So, no, there weren't any initial pictures. There was talk of Bubba planning it himself. Uh, there's talk of NASCAR doing it just to get some kind of press out of the deal. It was like people couldn't wait to turn this into some kind of salaciously sensationalized story. And um, it was, it was, that was setting the groundwork for saying whatever happens afterwards, well, here's what I would have done. First, before I get to more of my thoughts on that, Liz Clark is an American sports writer currently for the Washington Post. She is honored as a NASCAR's top print journalist with the uh, Russ Caitlin Award for Excellence in Motorsports Journalism. She's the author of One Hell of a Ride, How uh, NASCAR Swept the Nation. She is a regular contributor to the Tony Kornheiser Show, and she was talking about the response to Na- from NASCAR on this situation with the noose in Talladega. They have absolutely nothing to apologize for or walk back or qualify, particularly after seeing the image of the noose. I mean, it had been described to me, and it was unmistakable that the FBI, even in announcing there was no hate crime, in their right. press release announcing no hate crime, they used the term noose four times in the headline of the FBI statement, in the text of the FBI statement. Throughout, the term noose was used even in dismissing it. And so at this point, there is, uh, there's no real question that it is tied like a noose, according to the people involved. Now, all of us on the outside haven't seen it. And I'm listening to my shows in the afternoon, sports and pop culture-related radio shows of people I trust and respect, and they're even saying, hey, I'll just, just you got to show the picture. You've got to show us. You can't just let us, you can't just leave it hidden. Well, at this point, FBI still had the picture and all the evidence, you know, completely uh, not available to anybody other than themselves while they did this investigation, which was actually very, very quick. And then eventually they did show it. And it was a noose. There's something visceral about seeing that image. It's not, you know, something you can read a couple different ways. It is jarring, and it's a stone-cold noose. And if you want to tell me it served another purpose, that may be. Um, so their initial reaction, I thought, was tremendous. And so, yeah, by the definition of what it was, it was absolutely tied as a noose. Now, was it used as a garage pool for the g- garage door? Probably. I guess. Maybe. Hell, I don't know. She'll address more of that in a second. But when when you start to compare this with other things that are in major news cycles of, again, the blame game and then the here's what I would do, all you got to do is look at a, a, a story that she covered for uh, Olympic gymnastics. Particularly because... I covered USA Gymnastics, where the head of USA Gymnastics got multiple reports of criminal behavior. And 
put them in a file drawer for months, for months, and only involve the FBI after multiple girls were molested by Larry Nassar. So that is how you don't handle the allegation of a federal crime, a hate crime, sexual abuse, whatever it may be. Yeah, you don't wait until you're forced to have to look into these whispers. If, let's say, a TMZ is hanging around doing some media coverage of Talladega at a time when there's no fans hardly and they're starving for any kind of attention they can get and they just had the ban of the Confederate flag and say TMZ takes a picture of this noose and then puts it out there and says, hey, look what we found. Look what these these hillbillies in, in Alabama do. They tie nooses in garages just because they're bored. And then you create a whole nother public relations crisis in the midst of all this other mess and then the fake outrage type. I mean, you see where I'm going with here. You've got to get out in front of something, especially when you see something that is completely definable, you know, at a time when you're a little vulnerable to the dipshits that are in the deep south. And really, maybe there is an overall culture issue within all of NASCAR. I, I have nothing but admiration for the steps they took, which meant telling Bubba Wallace, the driver who was not in the garage, he never saw it, then putting out a press release, you condemn it as a heinous act, and then the FBI is there the next morning. And throughout, NASCAR was transparent. They said what they could say when they were allowed to say it. As the FBI worked, they weren't allowed to show this image nor talk with any detail about what was going on. And and even after the FBI concluded there was no hate crime, NASCAR said, you know, we're not done here because there was a noose in our garage, whether it was directed at a single person or generically, why was it there? A, B, why did people just like go buy it? And, you know, we have a culture apparently where nobody sees a problem here. Yeah. And so all those things are accurate to me. And I applaud NASCAR. I actually think their response was as good as one could possibly be. And this brings me back to the uh, this is what I would do culture. And especially with as loud as social media has gotten. It's such a damn shame that everybody's on social media. It was such a better place when only the people who had something to say that people actually wanted to hear were there. And now that it's real life, it's just so damn disappointing, infuriating, all those words. But it brings me back to the Penn State case. And that was a time when not everybody was on social media yet, but a lot of people were. And the the regular traditional medias, television and radio, were still uh, very loud. And that was 2011. Of course, when I say the Penn State case, I'm talking about the Jerry Sandusky case, the assistant coach, long time for Penn State football, and uh, Joe Paterno and all that. If you don't know about that, then I don't know why you're listening to me. But anyway, if you need to go <laughs> refresh, go ahead. But at, in the immediate fallout of that, there was two things that stuck out to me. One more related to this NASCAR thing and another not as much. I'll say the one that's more related to it is that here's what I would have done. And there was assistant coaches that had had witnessed things. There was there was whispers in the hallways. There was uh, there was a, a, a complete lack of institutional control, which was the second portion of what I was going to say that the two things that came out of this again, I'll come back to that in a minute. The idea that that we regular old assholes walking around can put ourselves in a position 
like a you know, a huge state-run university with powerful, powerful people making lots and lots of money who make big, big decisions affect a lot of people's lives. And you become suspicious or maybe even an innocent bystander of collateral damage of of a of institutionalized uh, criminal behavior to to say that you know exactly what you would do if that happened is the most disingenuous dumb asshole thing that uh, a person can do and people do it we all do I accidentally do it oh, here's what I did. I did I'd have done this no, you don't know you don't know what you would do and you and, and and people who do that sound like just arrogant assholes just to put it as simplistic as I can and I kept seeing that and seeing that and seeing that back then in 11. And it just got me more and more angry. Like th- that that situation with Sandusky, those, some of those um, uh, assistant coaches that might have known a little something, but they weren't sure, but were under the, 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 the terror almost of this institutionalized criminal behavior, even though not everybody, it was one of those turn your head, we don't know what we don't know things, which is a thing of the, you know, way past and is not okay anymore, luckily, it just, it was infuriating to me, and that's what a lot of was happening here from people who were following it as NASCAR fans or just social justice warriors or just people on social media smashing pots and pans together just to be loud. Oh, I can't believe NASCAR did this just because they're trying to get a free press, and Bubba Wallace, he did this, he should have done this, why didn't he do this, here's what I would have done. It's so infuriating. And then also the less about NASCAR and just more about any monster institution is when when something gets so big and it loses its institutional control, that's a very dangerous situation to be put in. I can compare it only barely to my old job, the old company before we were bought out. We were a multi-million dollar company and a lot of people were doing things wrong all the time, all the time. And I could put myself in the category of doing things against what would be protocol or procedures. And you do that kind of stuff long enough, and everybody knows where all the dead bodies are buried, and I can't do anything about this because if I do this about this, you'll do this about against me. See where I'm coming from on this? That's a small scale that just try to say when institutionalized control gets out of hand, dangerous things can happen. And... NASCAR getting out in front of something like that because they stumble on something that might have been benign to most people's eyes, they made sure that there was not any kind of lack of institutional control. They, at the, even it would be at the expense of their name and their brand, got out in front of it. Maybe they had motives that were more saying, hey, let's test the waters. Maybe if we do this, we'll, we'll be more inclusive. I don't know, but I think NASCAR is, I mean, borderline heroic response to this. And I think most people are looking at this whole situation as like, oh, just a du- bunch more of fake-ass news and everybody's making all this shit up. I don't know. I think it was important to report. It was important to get the FBI involved, and it was important to be thorough to make sure that there's control from an institutional level. And I know I probably just rambled on a whole bunch there. It's late on a Tuesday, the last day of June, as this will be dropping on the 1st of July. I'm going to wrap up the segment right there. The Trump presidency, as most presidencies do, has brought in a whole nother line of comedic satire and uh, content creation. And some of it is really, really funny. 
I will try to be respectful as I can, all the while making fun of our president. Coming up next. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. And all these doctors out here saying, make sure you wear your masks. Well, I went to the University of YouTube and I graduated MAGA yelled loudly, so they're not the only educated ones out here. That is if they can make their mind up in the first place. They said, don't wear a mask, then wear a mask. It's like science is willing to change its viewpoint on things when presented with new information. Well, I'm not willing to change, ever. And my friend on Facebook said masks are bad and he's a doctor. He works for Dr. Scholl's. He works for a, a store that sells Dr. Schultz. What I'm trying to say is all these doctors better stop having my best interest at heart because it's tyranny. And I'll wear a mask if I want to. You people think us maggots are stupid just because we're dumb. Well, I'll tell you one thing we're not, and that's sheep. They sing God, I love this song. I am going stand my the Decemberist. Your eyes to me will blow you down. I am gonna stand my ground. Kind of fits the mood, and I've been listening to this album, Your The King Is Dead, this uh, week. Down. So that dude's name and. I've been playing a lot of his stuff here recently. Brent Tarun. I'll talk about him more a little bit. And two other guys that I have stumbled onto here recently. And um, I'll make this one quick and, 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 again, try to be as respectful as possible. To me, there are three types of Trump supporters. And I think this is not all that unlike many administrations. There's, there's a hardcore base, right? And then there's the fringers, and then there's the people that just always vote that way, that that party line. And I think I don't think it's any more or less than it has been, at least in the modern day, you know, post World War II uh, political cycles that we have. And in this exact situation, to me, it's just my vantage point. The three types of Trump supporters are this: one, just liberal haters, right? The types that say libtards. Types that hate everything about a whiny-ass liberal. They love anything that's the opposite of that. And in this case, it's Trump. He's the opposite of liberals. So those types are going to be uh, are going to be on that side no matter who it is. In this case, it's Trump. There are the core uh, Republican values, traditional conservative voters that are also same kind of concept. They're never going to vote Democrat and they're never going to you know, hang with the godless, sin, sinful uh, assholes that are the Dems. And so they're going to be Trump supporters. That doesn't mean, I was going to say supporters, I just mean Trump, let's say voters. Not not supporters, voters. And then there's the maggots. The maggots. The MAGA types. The ones that rally. The ones that wear the gear. The ones that go to protests or, or rallies or protests, either, both, either or. And scream and yell and put up, you know, huge signs in the yard and make it a lifestyle. And those are the people I got no time for. I got no problem with Republican voting types. I've never have. I've, I've got plenty of friends, close friends that do it, and I'm not mad at them. And the same kind of thing would have been the 16 election with Hillary. I did not like her as a candidate. Never did for a second. Was not interested in her being the candidate. If Joe Biden would have run then, 
we'd be talking about his reelection campaign right now. I only voted for her because I got scared towards the end because it looked like she might not win, and clearly she didn't. So that didn't make me a Hillary supporter. I didn't have a sticker on my damn car that said Hillary Clinton for president. But in the end, I'm going to I'm gonna support, quote-unquote, my team. That's what we've been conditioned to do in this country, in our two-party system. And I'm not overly pissed off about that. Um, I, 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 I badly want a new president, and I really, really dearly love Joe Biden, though I do believe that he's too old and can't, uh, I, I, I don't think he's quite up for the task anymore just because he's an old damn man with two aneurysms and in 50 years in public life. He's beat down, and I think he's 10 years too late to be president, at least four years too late. Anyway, not the point of this segment. Every generation, every handful of election cycles brings new comedic mainly content but lots of different content creation and in the world that we live in of immediate connectivity through all our devices more and more people are able to make more and more incredible content that is that is spoofing our president now and our president next and our president going forward and i think it's great you know, China, Russia, they don't get new administrations, and then it opens up a whole new economic boom of content creation making fun of their leaders. It's not possible to do because it's against the law, and it's authoritarian at best, totalitarianism at its worst. Here, we get to do that. So I found three guys here that um, I think are just doing great work that are satire, doing satire of Trump uh, Trump mania, Trump Trump world, Trump supporters. I'm going to start first with a clip from a guy named Buttercream Dream. That's his wrestling uh, persona, if you will. And this is a wrestling promo. I've played one of his before. His name's Corey Forrester. He's from North Georgia. He is a co-author of the Liberal Manifesto, Dragon Dixie Out of the Dark. And he is part of the Well-Read Comedy Tour and Podcast, along with Trey Crowder, who I'll get to here in a minute. And Well-Read is spelled W-E-L-L-R-E-D in capital letters. Again, think of this as a professional wrestling promo. Donald Trump, listen here real quick, you small hands having flock of seagulls on your head wearing son of a gun. The buttercream dream has had enough of your perfidious ways, your Janice face scallywaggery, your duplicitous humbuggery. You think you can deceive the American people with your own going tomfoolery? Well, we've seen who you really are, Donnie. You're a liar, a grifter, a snake oil salesman who ain't even never seen a real snake. You openly violate the Constitution knowing that as long as you aren't shitting on the Second Amendment, your brainwashed, boot-licking supporters will sit there in awe while jerking off their shotguns. You're losing support. I've seen how many people came to your rally in Tulsa. The buttercream dream has seen more mammal titties at Bonnaroo. Well, that's it, you <laughs> mentally unstable wannabe daughter-fucking-failed stake salesman. I'm calling you out. This Friday in a no-holds-barred match, winner gets a lifetime supply of beer. And check this out, Donnie. I drink with two hands, too. The buttercream dream is what his little persona is on his social media and YouTube channels and all of those things. One of his partners is Trey Crowder. He's probably the most popular of the guys of his group. Uh, these are only two from the, the, the three or four of them that I'm going to feature today because the other ones didn't translate as well to audio. He's probably the most popular and he's definitely the smartest. 
He's a very uh, interesting guy. He comes from Salina, Tennessee, which is near the Tennessee-Kentucky border. He went to business school at Tennessee State. After that, he worked for the U.S. Department of Energy for six years. And then uh, just one day in 2010, he started doing open mics at a place called Side Splitters in Knoxville for uh, comedian open mics. And then he created this character called the liberal redneck and he has been uh, blown up viral and he's been on many many of the major shows you've heard of over the last couple of years Tr- proof that if you want to quit your day job and do something like that you can i don't necessarily suggest it but you can this is trey crowder and this bit is revolved around the pandemic i mean a literal plague this got god written all over it it's hilarious to me seeing people call this a liberal conspiracy when this is clearly some God shit here, right? I mean, a literal plague, this got God written all over it. Y'all know damn well that if a Democrat was president right now, these motherfuckers would be hollering from every corner of Facebook about how coronavirus was clearly divine retribution sent by the Lord to punish us for all these gay sex food stamp parties we've been throwing. But since they're in charge during this particular disaster, well, they're in mysterious ways mode. As with most things where Trump is concerned, his attitude about this whole situation would be fucking hilarious if it wasn't so abjectly terrifying. After he took office, he closed the division that Obama had set up specifically to deal with a pandemic like this, I guess because he needed room for Space Force. Why waste time on a hypothetical future disease when you could be combating the real threat? Moon Muslims. So yeah, we have literally the worst possible person to have in charge during a plague, which is really saying something, considering the guys who were in charge during the actual plague were like fucking inbred syphilitic dudes in capes who would have thought dental floss was witchcraft. Like, the bar is really low <laughs> for plague leaders. And I... And I think I would take one of them. We brought one of those guys forward in time and put him in charge as soon as he gets on there and starts hollering about like, burn the dead, salt the earth, greet the pestilence with fire. We're all just going to be like, well, you know he's taking it seriously. (laughs) Dental floss is witchcraft. Um, And all three of these guys that I am uh, playing for you today are good old boys. I mean, they are red, redneck good old boys. And not all people that look alike are alike. And this is a very uh, good example of that. Last one, my guy, my favorite, Brent Tarun. Ter- uh, he is not part of these guys. He's completely different. I would love it if he ended up being a, like kind of a comedy team with them. This is from the Indy Star. He's from Indianapolis, so he's a Midwestern redneck. Brent Tarun is not the guy you think he is if you've seen his viral redneck videos on Facebook. And it goes to say he's not... He's not the American flag wearing hams, drinking all the, the the kind of cliched stuff he does. And even if when you realize Tarun is a comedian, satirically, I say that right, satirically jabbing at internet commentators, he's still not the guy you'd expect. They say he's soft spoken. They go on to talk about him. He's a part time writer for the Bob and Tom Show, a really awful, crappy radio show that comes out of of uh, Indianapolis. That I think, yeah, we used to have on here on 96.5 The Mountain back in the day. Awful radio show. Here's one more from Brent. So I just seen on Fox News that tweeters censored my president and still your president, by the way. They censored my president and it's pissing me off. 
Mark Zuckerberg, and all them other little nerds out there in Silicon Valley ain't got nothing better to do than to fact check my president. For what? Just because he shares misinformation? It's called alternative facts. Just because he encourages people to take hydroxychloroquine and ingest disinfectant to fight the coronavirus? What's the worst that can happen? People are misled. People get sick. People die. I don't think so. Well, if social media is going to shut down my president, then my president is going to shut down social media like they did over in China. Finally, they got something right over there. You need to get your shit together, tweeter, because Trump ain't afraid to take his talents elsewhere. You know, him and Mike Pence ain't afraid to do a TikTok dance on the dangers of Obamagate. And white supremacists aren't on there yet, but he'll share their stuff once they start dancing too. He ain't afraid to use the spray tan filter on Snapchat. And he ain't afraid to pin eight ways to make your MAGA barbecue more festive this summer on Pinterest. And he's damn sure not afraid to start an OnlyFans account full of hot and spicy, juicy, exclusive content for $9.99 a month. So get your shit together, tweeter. <laughs> they quoted him in this piece, uh, one of his older uh, rants, uh, talking about uh, taking up for, uh, or hating on, I should say, Colin Kaepernick, and his whole thing is say the right names wrong, put in all the wrong, everything to just sound dumber. Uh, he didn't sacrifice nothing. All he did was use his celebrity status to shine a light on injustice in our world, all while doing it in a peaceful and nonviolent way. And I've chosen to take that message and completely misinterpret it, you know, because he's disrespecting the flag. That's what he's doing. Uh, I think I played that one back in the past. So it's just funny. It's good stuff. It's fun. It's fun also to see the ignorant, uh, dumb people that don't don't really listen hardly. They just see somebody yelling and they start firing back on him on social media about how stupid he is for whatever reason, whichever way they uh, misunderstand what he's doing. And then he retweets all of it. He retweets every bit of it, which is the way you do a good social media account. And it's just insane. Ignorance, it's its wild. Ignorance breeds more arrogance than anything else. You, you find an ignorant asshole, and there's some of the most arrogant people you've ever been around. And even the word ignorant, people who get called ignorant, who are, in fact, ignorant, think that they're being that that's some kind of a derogatory term when there's nothing derogatory about the word ignorant it means you just don't know ignorance is just you just you don't know what you don't know and that's what makes is it irony i don't know i get confused I, ironic gets used in such the wrong ways but don't call me ignorant i ain't ignorant no you actually are that's the problem <laughs> not even calling you dumb uh, but the arrogance that it breeds especially in the south is uh, is laughable and that's why these guys are so funny and there's so many more of them popping up because the material is so incredibly easy that's all i got for this week appreciate you so much for finding the show if you do happen to figure out a way to leave a me- uh, uh, not a message a, a review through itunes or apple podcast or anywhere you're listening I'd surely appreciate it. As always, if you ask me to do it for you, the chances are I'd think about it, but probably not get around to it. So if you don't feel like it, I get that too. We'll do it again the second Wednesday of July. Very likely the worst July. 
any of us have ever had. But hey, 4th of July is here, and for one of the few times in my life, I have the 4th of July off, so I'm going to find something fun to do. I hope you do as well. I'm going to celebrate the uh, the, the birthday of this country, because I do love living here. It is a great place to be. I say America is already great. America has always been great. And I'm happy to be here, and that's all I have to say about that. Love you to death. Mean it. Do it again next week. See you later. Bye. So let me hear you say.